When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here. Welcome to the inaugural Golick and Smetty podcast. Wow, we're, we're really going to do this thing. I'm Mike Golick Sr. That is Jessica Smetana. Jess or Smetty go by... Is, is there like a favorite for you, Jess, of, of what you go by? Not really. I'm Jessica. I'm Jess. I'm Smetty. I, I, Smetty just kind of rang a bell. Like it just sounded right. Golik and Smetty. So we yeah. went with Smetty for the name of the show. I hope people like it. Yeah, I hope so. If not, yeah, too bad. That's what the name of the show <laughs> is. And, and I know there are going to be people who say, wow, what, a, what an interesting pairing. And it is a very interesting pairing. So the easiest way I can describe our age difference is the fact that I played football at Notre Dame and then I played nine years in the NFL. I retired, the year I retired was 1994. Jess, correct me if I'm wrong, that was the year you were born? Yes, that that is correct. And you have a daughter <laughs> who I went to college with, Mike, and you went to college at the same time as my parents. So this is, I feel like, you know, we're going to get into this a little bit with Mina Kimes later on in the show. Yeah. She's our guest today. Um, but I do feel like I kind of picked up a third parent that now I'm going to be ta- teaching pop culture to and explaining the internet to. So I, I'm wondering if you, because my kids, when we do our podcast, sorry in advance, they're like always like nervous anytime I try and take it the pod somewhere or talk about something because they're waiting for me to say something stupid or screw up or embarrassing. Or, yeah, exactly. So. I'm wondering, I mean, we've just started this. Are you already kind of there wondering what I'm going to do? I already had a hard time clicking onto the sinking pod in the first place. Um, you know what? I think I think maybe I'll have a little bit of secondhand embarrassment, but since you're not my actual father, like it, it won't really be it won't cut as deep. So hopefully things go well and there's not too much of that. But I won't be afraid to call you out, so don't worry about that. Yeah, I won't be afraid to call you out either because I'm sure I saw you on campus at some point as I was parenting <laughs> my kids uh, and you were taking classes with Sydney. Junior Parents Weekend, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a that's a Notre Dame thing that non-Notre Dame people will probably not know what we are talking about. But we won't talk too much about Notre Dame on this show. I mean, we might a little bit today with our March Madness preview. Um, and certainly when we get into football season, we will. But we, we intend to have this, uh, we intend to make this a well-rounded we podcast do. that's not just too focused on both of our alma maters. That being said, uh, Notre Dame spring football starts very soon. So <laughs> the start of the Marcus Freeman era. So I thought I'd just mention that, you know, since, uh, you know, we both, I'm sure, have season tickets and such. And maybe when we get to see some of the games. But you're right. We want to be a little more, a little more well-rounded with us. But, but one of the things we want to have fun, and, and, and hopefully we'll get everybody's input on this as well, is there is a generational gap here. Like, a simple thing, like, have you ever used a typewriter in your life? Uh, no, have you? I feel yeah, like those- have, have I? Yes, I took a typewriting class in, in high school. 
What? I thought typewriters were like Gilded Age. I didn't think they were like 60s yes, and 70s. Yes, how old do you think I am? <laughs> 60s and 70s, I was using a typewriter at Notre Dame. When I was writing my 10-page papers the night before because I procrastinated and waited, I'm, I would imagine you did the same thing. Maybe, maybe not. But yes, we use typewriters. And with typewriters comes a little, the little piece of tape, the whiteout tape. When you make a mistake, you have to stick the, the whiteout tape by the letter, hit the letter again so it erases it. I feel very stupid, but I kind of assumed you just wrote like pen and paper. I, I kind of like didn't realize typewriters were a thing. Well, what you were supposed to do, you were supposed to write out the paper first, and then you were supposed to correct all your errors and then type it out. Oh, I, okay. I thought it was good enough to skip that, the writing of it, and just type it out, and then make a ton of mistakes typing it. So, you know what? Another thing that I found out recently is that cigarette dispensers used to be a thing. Like, you could go to a bar in the 80s yep. and get a cigarette out of a cigarette dispenser. So, you put in a little quarter. It's yes. like a gumball machine or something. It's exactly a, right. a cigarette comes out. In a, in a guy's bathroom, you can get cigarettes and cologne. It was amazing. Who, who, wow. who knew, huh? <laughs> but, yes, you could absolutely do that. Another thing. Do you know how to drive a stick shift in a car? No, absolutely not. I mean, that's no one, no, 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 no one knows how to drive a stick shift. That's not a generational thing. That's just like it, what do manual you mean, no car. One, I know, I know how to drive a stick. Are the you left-handed? Isn't that a left-handed thing? No, you, you, the stick's in the right hand. You're on the, you're on the left side. That you're the. the Where do you think the stick shift is? Just sit in a car. I don't even. <laughs> just visit yourself in a car right now. Okay, you got the steering wheel. And the stick shift, put your right hand down, your right hand, that's where the stick is. So you're shifting with your right hand. But then you have one hand on the steering wheel, that's your left hand. You have right? one hand on the wheel and you have to let go of the gas and press the clutch before you shift. You, you've never, never in your life. I don't think anyone under the age of 45 has ever driven a stick shift here's it's, what except, here's, except for maybe if you go abroad because i know you know manual cars aren't as, as then, common well then it's even more difficult for an american going abroad because when the steering wheels on the other side then i have to shift with my left hand i've done it i have done it i learned to shift at notre dame actually let me just say there was <laughs> a uh, i was out one night with a friend of mine and he it was his car and it was a stick and he had a little too much to drink that night and i did not and I wasn't going to let him drive. So luckily, he was pretty gone to where that was the first time I ever tried a stick. And and people older than you will understand this. I grinded the shit out of, out of the gears <laughs> as I was learning how to do it. But he basically was incoherent and didn't know that. You know, I, I do know what you're talking about because I live in Miami and a lot of times people will rent exotic cars on the beach yes. and you'll hear them grind the shit out of the yes. car yes. driving down Ocean Drive in their Lamborghini that they definitely do not actually own. Here's where it can be a, a positive to learn stick because what's what's one thing, and on a serious note, what's one of the thing that younger, well, everybody does it, but it's just started, you know, not, not too long ago. What, what does everybody do when they're driving when they shouldn't be doing it? They text. They text, right? Right? Yeah, okay. They text. So this is what I'm going to do. Now, when, when my kids were learning how to drive, texting wasn't a thing, so I didn't have to worry about it. But when my grandkid, and I got a first grandkid coming in July, when that kid's old enough to drive, I am going to teach him to drive stick. Because if you have your left hand on the steering wheel and your right hand on the stick shift, what can't you do? You can't text. text. Yes. Mike, 
the by the time your grandchild can drive, we're gonna be driving in the metaverse, and none of this is going to matter. That's I hate to tell you. That's what the fuck is a metaverse? Can you explain a metaverse to me? Seriously? People, I, I just saw that when I was out in Arizona, the first couple got married in the metaverse. What the hell is a matter? It's not real. Let, let's get back to this on episode two. Let's get to okay. March Madness, Mike. Okay. All right. God. By I, the so time people I need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> By the time people listen to this, Notre Dame will have already played. So it probably doesn't make sense to preview that game because right. if they lose, Rutgers will be playing Alabama and none of this will matter. If Notre no, Dame no, no, wins... No, right. Notre Dame will be playing Alabama, and maybe Notre Dame gets their ass kicked by Alabama in another sport. For no, game. don't say it. I'm right now saying, well, you're right. We may not. I'm just, I'm saying Notre Dame beats Alabama. We can't beat them in football. Let's beat them in basketball. <laughs> but you're right. If we get there, we'll, we all know. So I assume you filled out a bracket. Did I did. you have any big upsets in your bracket? And if so, can you tell them what they were so that I can go fill out my bracket? So, so one, one thing I always look at, everybody looks at the 12-5, right? But did you know, For I believe it's the last 16 tournaments, an 11 seed is won. Hmm. So the 11 seeds are Michigan, Colorado State, right? Virginia Tech, which went on a tear in the ACC, taking out 3-2-1, and one, um, including Notre Dame. And then Rutgers, Indiana, the winner of that game is an 11 seed, and Iowa State and LSU is an 11 seed. So I have two of those. Well, three. I think if Notre Dame can, can beat Rutgers, they can win. I think Virginia Virginia Tech is hot, so that's over Texas. And I like Michigan over Colorado State. I actually like three of the 11s. But if you're asking me to pick a, a big upset in the, the first round, I would go with 13-4, Vermont over Arkansas. The catamounts. That's, yeah, that's exactly right. And I think because now you tell me, you know, listen, we've and I'm a guy that picks multiple sheets. I'm not a guy that that stands up and says, I called that upset. I want I put 10 sheets or more into pools, whatever pool I go in and they're money pools. It's to win money. I don't care about the glory because people always say, oh, you can't say you called that upset because it was on sheet four. I said, you're, you're right. I don't. I don't care. All I do is want to win the cash. That's yeah, it. Yeah, but I think you can, though, because it doesn't matter if you only had it on one sheet. You had it, right? I, so I, that's my thought exactly. nobody's business, right? But, but and, and that's not even my reason for doing it. It's to win the money. I get all these people telling me, I pick one sheet of integrity. It's something Greeny and I used to do. Sheet of integrity. I'm like, please come into my pool. Let me take your money. Because you ain't going to win with your <laughs> one sheet. You know, keep that one sheet stuff. You're not going to win. So I love filling out multiple sheets. I agree with you. And I am thrilled this year that on CBS and ESPN and all of the other um, bracket pool places, you can now submit women's sheets, which has not always been available. And the women's tournament, in my opinion, is just as exciting and just as crazy as the men's tournament. This year is the first year that the women's tournament is going to have the March Madness branding, which I find impossible to Isn't that amazing why why would you not use march madness branding on the women's tournament until 2022 but i'm super excited for that so now i have double sheets in both the men's and the women's tournaments i have a lot of upsets i have notre dame going all the way to the final four in my women's bracket oh you do um and other than that it's all chalk because the other one seeds stanford south carolina they're i think they're going to be easy trips to the final four well listen jess the women's isn't the women's sheet like like 
banging two erasers together and the chalk comes flying. The, the, the women's <laughs> bracket is usually so much chalk. It's a little, you know, the, the, the trick with that one is what early upsets can you pick while making the number ones or maybe get throw a two in there, get to the final four. But what other upsets could, because just about everybody's going to do that, right, on the women's side. But it's those upsets in the first few rounds is where you can get those added points. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. Do you, are you someone who will like camp out for five days straight and watch every single game? Or are you someone who will kind of pick and choose, maybe just sit in on the primetime games? I love watching them all, especially because I, I think people think like this too, Jess, is I think people love the upsets early, but I think by the time they get to the elite eight, probably not the 16, sweet 16, but the elite eight, they want to see, they want to see the blue bloods. They, they, they want to see the big teams. And, I, you know, I, and, and every now and then a team will, will, will kind of upset the apple cart there. But I think that's what they want for the most part, unless you're a fan of that team. I think the, those last few games, they want the big – like I'm, I pick an Arizona to win it all uh, on the men's side. You know, on the women's side, are you going with South Carolina? You know, I, I don't know. Is, it, is that the way to go? I went with my I picked my final is South Carolina and Stanford and so right. then I have I have Notre Dame upsetting NC State uh, and then I have Louisville in my other spot so I have three ones and then pick my favorite Notre Dame which is the five Notre seed. Dame. There you go with the five seed which, which certainly isn't out of the realm at all but to to answer your point specifically I love watching them all on TV I start right at noon when the games start and I just have flipped the TVs have multiple TVs going and try and watch them all unless they're going to interrupt one of the other shows that I might, you know, be watching in this day and age. Which is The Bachelor. You can just admit that you're a big Bachelor fan. I, I got two now. Two. The Bachelor and Love is Blind. I didn't want to watch. <laughs> I was forced into The Bachelor. I don't love it. I like it. And I got forced into Love is Blind. And I thought I was going to hate it. But I turned out I really kind of liked it. I can't believe you don't watch The Bachelor, though. No, I, I don't. And so many of my friends, like your son, Mike, uh, M MG Jr. is what I'm going to start calling him. Um, he is a big Bachelor fan. My friend Charlotte tweets about The Bachelor constantly, and it still hasn't peer pressured me enough into watching it. I find it to be in that category of TV show that is bad, but entertaining. But I still haven't latched onto it yet and found the entertaining aspects. So to me, it's just bad right now. Okay. Are you ready? You ready, Jess? I'm ready. What am I ready? What am I getting ready for, though? Here we go. You teaching so Clayton, me how to drive a stick shift? <laughs> no, no. I am going to do that, though. I'm going to give you my quick version of what happened in The Bachelor, and it was the okay. first time it ever happened in all oh, okay. nine thousand seasons of unprecedented The Bachelor. Unprecedented Bachelor yes. uh, happenings. Please tell me. Clayton was down to three. Gabby, Rachel, Susie. It was time for the sweets to be in the suites, which basically means are you going to end up sleeping together? Okay. So, so Clayton went into the suite with Gabby and Rachel, slept with both of them. Oh, by the way, I didn't tell you. He had already told all three girls he loved them. I mean, told everyone, all three, that he was in love with them, and they all said they loved him. Slept with Rachel, slept with Gabby. So what did Susie say when Clayton told him that? Susie said basically... I am not going to the suite with you. I'm not going to sleep with you. And if you have slept with somebody else or told somebody else that you love them, I'm out of here. So Clayton had to say, 
Well, yeah, I told them both I loved them, and I slept with both of them. She said, I'm out of here. And when she left, she was gone. Now it was down to Rachel and Gabby. So they're at the rose ceremony. Clayton walks in and said, before I hand out these roses, I got to tell you something. I told three of you I loved you, and I slept with both of you standing there. They both freaked out. They went their separate ways, started to cry. Gabby said she was leaving. She says, I'm not hanging around for this. He talked Rachel into hanging around. Then he went and talked Gabby into hanging around again, right? So Susie left because she didn't want to be with Clayton because she slept with the other two girls and told him she loved them. So she's gone. Two girls stayed after all of this. They met Clayton's parents. And after they met Clayton's parents and they were fighting for Clayton, Clayton decided he loved Susie the most, the girl that left. So now... Two days after this all went on, he went back into the room with Rachel and with Gabby and said, listen, gang, thanks for hanging around with me, but my heart's with Susie. I don't love you guys as much as Susie. They basically said, dude, fuck off, man. Are you got to be kidding me? So, <laughs> so they okay, leave. Hold on, Mike. The funniest thing just happened. My internet just kicked me out of the Zoom and I missed all of that and you did not skip a beat i just came back like i was frozen for a minute yeah, and you yeah. just kept powering through it was incredible so please pick up with susie i would love yeah. to hear what happens even though i missed that entire preamble so when you listen to the pot over again you'll hear this that, that part so <laughs> so now two girls are gone and and clayton says i'm gonna take my shot with susie so he gets the engagement ring and he tells susie listen please show up and then he just stood there where they, he was going to propose and hope she showed up. She showed up. He spilled to her how much he really loves her and can't live without her and gets down and, and pulls out the ring and basically says, do you want to get married? And she says, ah, no, not happening. And she ditched. So the first time in Bachelor history that the Bachelor left alone with nobody. Now it's not over yet. They were doing the live show that just finished. And in that live show, Jesse Palmer, who hosts The Bachelor now, had Clayton on the set. And Clayton said, and Jesse said, it's not over, is it, Clayton? He said, no. Somebody reached out to me after the show, and we are now dating. And out walks Susie. Susie, who had said oh, no. It's Of course left. it's Susie. And now Susie came back, and they're supposedly dating now. And now for the next Bachelorette. There is not one bachelorette. It is going to be Gabby and Rachel together as two bachelorettes for the one show. How was that? That was incredible. I, I don't know what happened there. Um, Susie Clayton um, bachelorette. But you know what? Uh, for all the people who turned into this for uh, NFL and, <laughs> and basketball talk, I, I hope they really enjoyed your very energetic retelling of The Bachelor because I, I have to admit I w it sounded messy, and I like messy shows. Well, we're, we're going to get enough football when we have Mina Kimes come on. So believe me, football will never be be short shrifted on this show at all. <laughs> so uh, that that I can promise you. Uh, so I, so I went on a long spiel about that, but I did watch Love Is Blind as well, and I know you did too, right? Oh yes, which was an awful show that I could not stop watching. It was like a you know a train wreck or whatever analogy metaphor you want to use. Um, 
It's been a few weeks now since I, I watched the reunion and I'm still intending to rewatch it because of how sloppy it was. But one of my favorite, um, favorite reality TV show moments, I think probably of the last decade is a contestant on a show telling the host's wife, who is the other co-host, that she's the only woman in the room that he finds attractive. That is a hell of a move to make in front of hundreds of thousands, yeah. potentially millions of people watching. Uh, and I kind of admire it. I'm not going to lie. That was Shake, who was the biggest asshole out there, without a <laughs> doubt. He did. All the other women are sitting there, and he said, the only woman I find attractive is Vanessa, who is sitting right next to Nick Lachey, who and they are married. So two, thing, two things on that. Is Shake was the biggest jerk, uh, w without question. And the other one is, the couple everybody thought was going to make it was Shane and Natalie. And then they had the big fight after the bachelor and bachelorette party that night. And I'm going to tell you why that fight happened. And it has to do with sports. Oh, okay? I, I know exactly what you're going to oh. say. Please, Mike, enlighten us. So all the guys got to go to Wrigley Field and hang out at Wrigley Field. Not only did they get to do that, they got to go in the batting, in the, in the batting uh, batter circle, in the batter circle, the batter's box, and they got five swings at a ball from a pitcher throwing it to them. So they could hit the ball anywhere they want. Jarrett, by the way, had a smooth, he was a lefty, he had a smooth <laughs> stroke. Every single person hit the ball. Shane, who I believe was a college athlete, swung and missed five times. He was so distraught after that for the rest of the night. And I think, Jess, that put him in a bad mood to where he had that fight with Natalie, where she said she didn't want to marry him. Oh, I totally agree. I, and also, I need to add, like, how unfair it would be that if I were on this reality show, like I, I grew up a Cubs fan and they take all the women on this booze cruise or something. And then yes. they let all the guys go to Wrigley field. Are you kidding me? If I were on this show and they made me go on some stupid booze cruise, I could do that any day of the week if I want in Chicago. And meanwhile, these guys get like a once in a lifetime experience to hit, to swing at balls at Wrigley field. I, I mean, I, I get why he was upset. He struck out. It was embarrassing. He was humiliated. I can see why that would have precipitated a fight, but I would have been, if I were Natalie, I would have started the fight that night because I didn't go to get get to go to Wrigley Field on this show. That it was infuriating to watch that. I thought of you when that happened because I knew we were going to be doing the show, and I and I knew that was something that irked you because Sydney again, my 26, 27 year old who you went to school with at Notre Dame was also sitting there watching, and all I heard out of her when they showed the guys at Wrigley Field and then they showed the girls on the cruise, all I heard from Sydney was. Oh, this is bullshit. That's, <laughs> that's what she said. She was so ticked just like you were. It was hilarious. That's enough reality TV talk for today. Well, we'll get back to that next week, Mike. But now we're going to have our first guest on the show, and it is the one and only Mina Kai. Joining us now on Golik and Smetty from Fortune Small Business Mega. No, from Bloomberg New. No, from ESPN. Uh, a, a friend of mine, a friend of ours, Mina Kimes, is joining us on Golik and Smetty. Mina, you are the first guest on Smetty and I's new podcast. An honor, though you guys did reject the name I suggested, which was Irish Twins. It but was a good I, name, Mina. The, the problem is we don't want to alienate non-Notre Dame fans, which I think we've already right. done by joining forces in the first place. So we couldn't, like, we don't want to lean too much into the Irish-Notre Dame thing. 
I understand. I'm just happy to be here. I'm glad that after some confusion on the part of Senior, the link worked, and I was able to hop on with you guys. So, so I mean, you know, th this is something we're we're going to get into throughout this podcast because my kids mock me all the time because I have the same picture every time of me staring into the into the to the 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 computer while I'm trying to hook up because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But I, I thought I, I hit the wrong link. And once I'm not where I need to be, I frantically, I text Jess, I frantically start texting my kids or emailing somebody to say, what the hell am I supposed to do now? I mean, it, 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 is this just bad on my part to not like be up with the times? Well, I mean, there's up with the times like being on TikTok and all that. And then there's just knowing how to use links, I think different standards maybe here. Although I will say my parents um, still, I've certainly my dad, I've seen them double click on links mm. in the year 2022, uh, which is always- Are you not supposed to? <laughs> I feel like I've adopted another parent that now I'm gonna have to explain technology to. Yeah, you know? listen, my kids at some point are gonna have to take care of me. So in extension, you guys are gonna have to take oh, care of me uh, at, at some point. Mina, uh, more than a few things want to get into you with, but but I was goofing around, obviously, in the intro from Fortune Small Business Magazine and and Bloomberg, you know, Yale grad. Um, so obviously, sports wasn't right out of the gate for you. So before we get into what's going on in the NFL, I think that's forgotten sometimes with you because you're you've risen, your star has risen so high and so fast in the sports world that I, I think people maybe don't remember that you didn't start in the sports world. So just give us a minute on that and then what led you into, into this world. Yeah, so I was a business journalist for about seven or eight years after college, uh, an investigative reporter. First of all, I started co off covering finance amidst the financial crisis, which is an interesting time uh, yeah. for Fortune. And then I um, switched to doing more investigative work. So kind of briefly companies doing bad things, a lot of healthcare stuff. Uh, it was very stressful, a lot of getting yelled at by lawyers. And then uh, in 2014, uh, ESPN the magazine approached me about joining ESPN as a writer. They saw that I had uh, wrote, written a personal essay about football, that I was mostly tweeting dumb football memes, and <laughs> that was it. So I joined, so don't let anyone ever tell you that memes can't change your life. Uh, so I started as a writer at ESPN, doing profile, profile a lot of football players. And then um, went down the commentary path with radio, which is, uh, you know, a pretty common, I think, first step for people who end up doing television outside of the traditional, you know, sports background at ESPN. And one day I filled in for Golik and Wingo and the rest is history, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> is that true? What, what was your first, like, do you remember what your first segment was when you went on the show? Like, what did you guys talk about? <laughs> So it wasn't my first. So I actually had two radio shows before then. I had a, I was on a fantasy football show, which was my first regular radio thing. I actually followed Mike Jr. So it was kind of the launching pad for both of us. Right. If you remember that, Mike, yep. you used yep. to do the Sunday fantasy show. Then I did the Sunday fantasy show. Then I had a Sunday podcast with uh, Donnie Foxworth and Clinton Yates called The Morning Roast. That lasted a couple of years. Uh, filling in for you guys, it was me junior and i think jason fitz the three of us filled in for like a whole week honestly and um let me tell you that wake-up call literally yes. I'm, I'm late literal wake-up <laughs> call i'm not that wasn't being metaphorical uh definitely showed me what i was not capable of doing what was it was it 4 a.m 5 a.m 
It's pretty fucking early, Jess. I don't remember exactly when it was, but I don't know how you did that for decades, dude. Like, I, it's just not I, the life for me. You know, I, I swore every morning. I, I really did. <laughs> I, I'm proud of myself in the fact that I only had to set one alarm and I never was late for a show. Mike, like, had, like, 12 snoozes. I see. I can't go back and wait for a snooze. I just, I just have to get up. Uh, right away, but you just kind of go numb after a while and, j and just do it. But <laughs> it's so funny mentioning you and Mike and Fitz. I'll never forget it. It was the draft in Nashville, was it not? With the incredible reaction. Uh, what was the draft pick that, that sent you guys, uh, you know, into the, the netherworld? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's been a lot over the years. Yeah. We started, first started the draft show in Bristol, and uh, but the Nashville one, I think that the video that resurfaces every now and then is me um, roaring into Mike Jr.'s ear about DK Metcalf, upsetting him. Honestly, I wouldn't blamed, have blamed him if he had called Human Resources after that. <laughs> I, I think I also punched his arm out of excitement. <laughs> there was a lot of just strays flying everywhere um made some really unholy guttural noises but yeah that was in nashville i thought you were i thought mike you were talking about your reaction mina to the mitch trubisky trade and then draft because i remember you having mm. a, a reaction to that too and that's why i made a shocked face because now he's on my favorite team the I steelers mean, you know this might be a good segue into football i'm fine with it actually so when, there, so am i yeah so i was in indianapolis for the combine and there was so much buzz about Mitch Trubisky coming back, being a starter, and I, I was and you befuddled. fed into it, yeah. I, I was just you like, are we, did, has everybody just decided to collectively forget the last four years? I mean, it, you know, people were saying, it's not his fault, he struggled in Chicago, I and mean, maybe it wasn't ideal for some reasons, but I, I was stunned. So then the news broke that he was signing with Pittsburgh, and my immediate reaction was like, oh no, the buzz was right. But then I saw the contract. It's two years, 14 million, it's fine. Honestly, totally fine with it. Um, see what he's got. If it's not there, that's fine. I would still like them to draft a quarterback, but don't hate it at all. Listen, I'm fine with it too, money-wise, Jess, and I know that's your team. But when they were, they were there was the rumors about uh, Mitch going to New York to kind of battle with uh, Daniel Jones to see who would be the starter. And the same thing I said about that, I will unfortunately just say about your Pittsburgh Steelers, is the Steelers getting back to prominence, that quarterback isn't on the roster. That, that Trubisky's not doing it. Uh, Rudolph's not doing it. Uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins, Haskins isn't. You got two first rounders in the third round. No, it's it's not happening. And I would have said the same thing with, with Jones. If, if Trubisky was in New York with Daniel Jones, I would have said that that wasn't going to happen either. So, you know, and I get it. I get it, Mina, with, with Mitch. Uh, and, and for those that don't know Mina, along with what, what she does, uh, at ESPN, she's she's in the booth for the Rams, the the Super Bowl champion Rams, in their preseason games, breaking down uh, players and plays as well. So I, I I'm with you, Mina. I, I I heard that too. All it was the system. Well, you know the system. Good good to great great quarterbacks. If you're going to be one, can overcome many things. Mm -hmm. And while Nagy's system may not have been the best in the world for Mitch, Mitch didn't do anything to make me say, "Oh boy, I believe he can do it somewhere else." How are you feeling, Jess? You know, I'm fine. I mean, we don't – I'm, I'm a fan of a team that's won a lot, and you don't need to get greedy and win every year. I think that he's a good bridge to a future, uh, you know, quarterback pick in a couple drafts, maybe when the Steelers actually really like someone. So my mentality is that as long as he can hand off the ball 30 times a game to Najee <laughs> Harris, like, I, I feel good about it. The Steelers were a playoff team with, like – 
yeah. old Ben Roethlisberger last yeah. year. So it can't be that much worse, right? No, I, I think he is better than 2021 Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> that is yeah. a, something there I would definitively go. say. It's the athleticism obviously gives you a little bit of a floor there yeah. too. Um, excited to see what Matt Canada does with that. I think there was some frustration there or a disconnect rather between the coordinator and the quarterback in Pittsburgh. Um, and this gives him like a blank slate. And so, yeah, I, 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 I like I said, fine with it. Totally fine with it. I think Canada is going to work better with a young quarterback than an older quarterback. I covered Canada in college. He's, he thinks highly of himself and the way he calls a game. So I, I think that will translate better to the younger generation uh, than to a guy like Ben who's going to go into the Hall of Fame who kind of has been set in his way. So that that was one of the moves. But there were so many. So let, let, let me do it this way, Mina. What, what move, forgetting best or worst at this point, yeah. what move was the biggest head-scratcher to you? The collective... Signings by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, no, actually, no, you said moves. So I would say the Washington training for Carson Wentz was the biggest mm -hmm. head scratcher. So I'll start there. Um, just because, you know, ultimately they end up trading, they swap seconds, they trade two thirds, one of which can turn into a second, I think next year. Uh, and then they take on, and this is the most notable part, his $28 million cap hit this year. Chris Ballard, the GM of Colts, all but publicly broke up with Carson Wentz yeah. in front of the world. So I don't. I, what I what confuses me here is I don't know who Washington was bidding against. Um, I thought whatever team acquired him would trade minimal picks. I thought Indianapolis would have to eat some of that contract. Um, and I know there are people arguing, hey, he wasn't actually that bad last year until the end of the season. I've seen enough Carson Wentz, man. Like I I've seen a lot. So I I don't get it for what I believe will be like a marginal improvement at quarterback. And that's a team that I thought really, you know, it's a decent roster. I would have liked to see them draft someone or maybe make a move. I know they tried to make moves for some of the better names out there, but that just didn't financially didn't make sense to me at all. I mean, as far as obviously the, the biggest name news that came back was, was Tom Brady saying he was yeah. going to come back, which, which, you know, as soon as he retired, it's amazing as everybody jumped on the media saying, oh, you know, everybody's going to talk about, is he going to come back or not? Let the man be. And my thought was six days after he retired, he's the one that brought it up saying, I don't know if this is going to be permanent or whatever. So he's the one that, that, that brought that up and brought that into existence. So now he's unretired. And I know my wife was wondering, as we were watching him watch that soccer match, Right as he was sitting in the stands, my wife actually turned to me and said, I wonder if it's going through his mind right now. Am I just sitting in the stands now? Is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Or am I still going to be like those guys on the field down there? Because we know he can do it. And he chose to go back. So I don't think any of us are shocked at that. But do you think, remember the first time he went there, everybody in the world wanted to go there. Now, some guys will go back. They have other free agents. Kappa already left to go to Cincinnati. You know, some guys got their rings, and they may not be in that aura of, oh, God, Tom's back. Do you think he'll be able to pull enough people in to make a legitimate run, which I think they can, but, but to win it all? I do. I, I think once he made the decision to come back, this roster, which, you, as you observed, had a lot of free agents heading out the door, shifted back into win-now mode. So you're going to see contract, you've already seen contract restructures to make cap space. You've seen uh, veteran players, I would say, take below market deals or the Colts, or probably the Bucks have done things like uh, add void years, which is something they've been doing since signing Brady to just try to fit guys under the cap, deal with the pain later, a la the New Orleans Saints. Uh, that's what they did with Ryan Jensen, the center who they were able to bring back. 
Um, I thought Carlton Davis, who's their best cornerback, signed a, a below-market deal, honestly, although that's, the cornerback market seems kind of weirdly depressed. But I was surprised they were able to keep him. Um, I imagine at, at the trade for Shaq Mason, I think, was a smart move as well to, to kind of bolster the offensive line. And then, most importantly, they play in a weak division. Like, I, I before Brady came back... I was looking in the NFC, and then before the you know the Deshaun Watson rumors kind of popped up, we'll see how that shakes out. I was looking at this division, and I could not pick a winner. I mean, I, I was like Matt Ryan was the only veteran quarterback, or you know, I guess trustworthy quarterback, and his team was bad. So uh, this to me makes them the clear favorite, and I have to think that probably factored into Tom Brady deciding to come back. Is Gronk now going to come back, Mina? Probably, right? Like. Feel like Brady, he just kind of will deal. follow Brady yeah. wherever. I mean, I, I do wonder where he was when the Brady news broke. I think I, I, my initial speculation, I can't remember, we were talking about this on Debatable, was in my mind, he was in the McDonald's play pit yeah. <laughs> out of a bunch of balls. Tom? And then yeah. just runs out and then goes straight to the facility. God, that would be it, wouldn't it? I mean, he's just – I hope he stays in the league just for the entertainment value of that. So He's still good, too, by the way. Oh, I mean, he's not like a lead, but Listen, he, he is, but I I, I did the Rams-Bucks um, game. I covered that for Westwood mm. 1. So I, and I was down on the field for that game. And, boy, there are times he, like, runs in pieces, you know, yeah. where, where it's just yeah. – you can kind of see his body – there's like just, a screw and a bolt kind yeah, of like trailing yeah. off behind like, him. Yeah. Like he wants it to do it so bad, but it's yeah. just not as fluid as it was. But still obviously a great uh, target for Tom. So by volume, it would see Jacksonville wins right now. But whenever you do that, the hit-miss rate, who knows? You got Brandon Sheriff, the guard, who has missed 22 games over the last few years. Christian Kirk, I mean, I guess you got to overpay, you tell me, Mina, when you're a bad team, but he's another guy that I think has had one year as the 17-game starter. Evan Ingram, who's been come see, come saw, a couple of guys on defense. So they're going they're going in numbers, a lot of guys, but, man, when you do that, I think you are really rolling the dice. Yeah, I mean, they went grocery shopping hungry, and that's yeah. how you yeah. walk out <laughs> with, like, a sheet cake you don't need. And <laughs> doesn't really make sense but you, you do what you can um I think Brandon Scherf is the only real like star that they signed some you know he's been banged up at times but clearly one of the better guards in the NFL they paid him like it that one I understand but a lot of these other contracts I simply don't get like Christian Kirk is, is a very good slot receiver he's being paid uh, even though the deal is not as big as it was reported as, as always, you know, yeah. still getting paid nearly $20 million a year the first two years. Like that, I, I just did not see that coming at all. I thought they would be in the market for one of the true X receivers out there, like bringing back Allen Robinson or maybe the Amari Cooper trade. But instead, they just seem to be desperately upgrading without looking, I guess, without finding that many core pieces for the roster. Okay, Mina, so last week, or I guess it was last week, feels like a long time ago now because of this news cycle, the quarterback of your team, the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, was traded to the Broncos. And so I'm, as someone who's known for not letting 
people get under my skin when they make fun of me for something stupid <laughs> that a team that I like does, even though it happens all the time. Mike can attest to this. Like we're Notre Dame fans. Brian Kelly, you know, has been known to do things that are embarrassing sometimes. Very embarrassing. Very and yeah. yeah, the Steelers sign Mitch Trubisky, like you, you get it. So when this stuff happens and everyone's like, waiting for you to tweet something, waiting for you to have a reaction and to see like, what is Mina thinking? Do you, do you let people see the hurt or do you kind of just brush it off and pretend like it doesn't actually bother you? Um, so I was actually in therapy when the news broke. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and my, I really try not to look at my phone, but my phone was just, you know, going ham. I looked at it, looked at my therapist and I said, well, I don't, no, if I can keep talking about what we're talking about right now, I might have to pivot. Um, I was just so distracted. I and, and also, you know, my phone was blowing up. But then when I finally got back on social media, I think the level of concern trolling, I you know, uh, people quote unquote checking in was yeah. It's like remarkable. oh, you are checking in. Thank You're you. You're not yeah, checking you in. You want to? I actually, I'll say this. Um, People are freaking sadistic because my podcast that day got the most downloads of any podcast <laughs> oh. I've done this year. The Minikam Show featuring Lenny, by the way, check it out. Uh, yeah, uh, which it doesn't usually this time of year, you know, uh, go that it's a football show. So, um, I, but I, I actually I tweeted through it, Jess. I, I kind of felt like um, rather than log off i wanted to share my feelings with the world uh i didn't like the trade for seattle i didn't like the value that they got back um i think there's a number of reasons that they got to this place some of many of them you know precipitated by wilson himself but um yeah i i'm 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 not afraid to you know cry in front of an audience mm -hmm. in a way and uh People certainly got to see that. I, I'm one of those sadists, Mina. I immediately listened to the episode. I, I listened to all of them, I should say. Oh, but you. that was one that I listened to that afternoon. I immediately, I saw it in my feed ah. pop up and I was like, oh, let me listen to this. Let me listen to how she handles this public pain because I've, I've definitely been there before. So along those lines, I want to ask both of you a couple more things I want to get to. One kind of about the Twitter world and one one on a more, more serious note. Um is is the Twitter stuff. So obviously the podcast that you just talked about there, Mina, but Twitter, you know, when when you go on and you you get into it with people, not I mean just you I mean even though, you know, you've been in the news lately for doing a little bit of that. I even <laughs> I even DM'd you about that. But, you know, I, th th this is this Which is one? more Yeah, this is more a general thing because when when me Mike and Trey were doing our show, I remember that whole Drew Brees thing was going on. Uh, with the commercial that he did and, and his mm -hmm. and his teammates jumping on him on Twitter about that. And I remember saying on air, man, why don't they just handle this stuff in the uh, locker room? You know, that that was my my era. Handle in the locker room. And yeah. Mike on air, he said, Listen, Dad, he said, This generation, they have no problem expressing their feelings on Twitter. They have no problem. And and you know what? I really had to kind of stop and say, Okay, well, I don't really do that. I have to understand, because I'm a retweeter, that I, I have to understand that this is kind of the way it happens. So like Mina or Jess, when I see you answer somebody, or, or when other people do it as well, I'm like, boy, why do they do it? And, that, and then that Mike thing always comes back into my head and say, well, this is kind of how it is now. Mina, I'll start with you. Is that kind yeah. of 
what what you think about it now, the, the Twitter world? Uh, well, for me personally, I really try to find a balance because if I engage with everything, I would get nothing done. Um, no, we were joking before uh, taping that I had I really didn't get a lot done this morning. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also, by the way, should note, I only see a very, very small fraction of the people who uh, talk to me on Twitter just out of self-preservation, mental health. I've got a lot of filters set up, you know, things like that. Um, that said, like to me, I view it as an extension of the work I do elsewhere, TV, radio, or whatever. It's a venue for me to express my opinions, to stand up for what I believe in, and to, circling back here, post dumb memes. <laughs> and um, so I think it's all about picking, for, again, just speaking for myself, it's all about picking your battles, picking the areas where I feel like it is worth it for me to engage, um, not necessarily for interpersonal reasons, but because I've been blessed to have a fairly, fairly large platform now, and cursed in some ways, uh, I see it as an opportunity to... Um, stand up for those things and, and say how I feel. And I, I think like th there is a dangerous territory though, where you can spend too much time on it and also engage, you know, in arguments that are, are disputes or whatever that are not productive. And so like a lot of how I approach using it is figuring that out and trying to think through before I dive in. I swear to God, I don't get in a fight every day. I honestly <laughs> like, it's been a while. Uh, but, it did, uh, I, yeah, some, getting in Twitter fights feels like very 2018 now. Like, it yeah. feels like something that hasn't happened for a while. And, and like, yeah, I'm with you, Mina. I, I think Twitter has become a part of the business, but also a business in itself. You can make money now from promoting tweets for brands. Like, it, it's totally become its own, like, line of revenue for a lot of people. So it, it kind of is something that you have to treat as part an extension of, like, your own professional, you know, I, a part of your own profession, I suppose, yeah. is the best way to phrase that. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, it can be fun. I don't, I don't know if I would be in this position without social media because I think it's a great way to spread like the work you do if you're someone who doesn't work for a large platform and isn't, you know, on network TV every day. So it's a, it's definitely a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the way I do it, I just mute because the person's not in front of me to punch him in the face. So that's kind of the, the kind of the <laughs> way. Is I, always I, I, yeah. Mute it. Yeah. Wrong with muting. I, I also, know. I also have like a like a self check. Like I, I if I'm gonna send something that I'm like, mm, is this spicy? I just send it to my boyfriend, and then he usually is just like, better off. Yeah. To, if you have to, well, ask, that's like, good. Better off. Yeah, you don't got, do it. You I'm gotta like, run it you. through the, through the group chat. Through the first, channels. Yeah, exactly. get real spicy. Checks exactly. and balances. Very nice, Mina. Uh, not too much longer. <laughs> I know Lenny's gonna need some attention here soon. But over there I, looking at me. I, I gotta I gotta ask this one, and again, I'll ask this to both of you. Because the, one of the big stories has been Deshaun Watson. Now, between Cleveland, Atlanta, Carolina, and New Orleans, all supposedly being involved and wanting to talk to him. Is there, and again, me and I'll start with you, is there a moral, is there any moral obligation anywhere? I mean, for all, because people always ask me, would you want him on your team? And I've said in the past, Tyreek Hill punched his pregnant girlfriend in college. He's off my list forever. But all I've heard is he has been nothing but a stand-up guy since then at least that's what i heard but i don't know for a fact but i always said once he did that if i owned a team he wouldn't be on my list i i would i would never think about taking him and there's different levels of things that go on there was obviously what was brought up with with deshaun watson about suspension 
people bring up Roethlisberger and they bring up Zeke Elliott, you know, no criminal charges, but, but civilly and, and such like mm-hmm. that. What's the moral obligation, if any, to any of us in, to, in, in dealing with this situation? Well, first of all, I'll just note there was an incident with Hill once he entered the league. Yes, um, there was. Flew yes. a little bit under the radar, right. certainly relative to the pre-draft stuff. Um, but you know, I I am someone who believes in second chances. I also believe second chances are earned, and a lot of times we grant them to people who have not actually done the work. On a, I'm not speaking about Hill. I'm just speaking generally right, uh, right. in sports. Um, as far as the question of a moral obligation, I think it like it depends on you know the. Fans, teams, reporters, we all have different responsibilities. I think I've been thinking about it from the perspective of the media, because that's what I'm part of. What is my responsibility? And I feel like it's to talk about it honestly. Um, Something that's really disappointed me over the last few days since uh, Watson was not indicted by a grand jury in Texas, which is not entirely uncommon, by the way, with cases of involving sexual assault, misconduct, domestic violence, because so many of them tend to be he said, she says, um, with, you know, very little evidence, uh, and they're hard to prove. Uh, What disappointed me is not that people started to discuss, okay, well, uh, teams are going to trade for him now. Although I understand anyone, anyone who is disappointed by their team doing that, especially because he's the quarterback. And so, you know, we identify so much with the quarterback, and it makes fandom very difficult. But the fact that once that conversation shifted, it was like everything else evaporated. Um, you know, I had Jenny Vrentis, who's a reporter at the New York Times on, who's been covering the story really well on my own podcast in the last episode, to basically give the entire backstory to this case. She's been on it for a long time. She's found, she's interviewed these women. She interviewed a woman who did not sue, which is something I, I people don't talk about who had a very similar story. She has looked into corroborating information, texts that were sent long before the lawsuits by these women. And um, it feels like to me, the vast majority of the NFL media has either not paid attention to any of that reporting or willfully looked away from it. And so I say this to say not that he shouldn't play football again or that he shouldn't be traded or that it's unreasonable to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. I have a football podcast. I just wish that willful ignorance and that absence of context wasn't happening. And I feel like we got there very quickly. I second everything you just said. Mina, you said it better than I could ever say it. And I think that the other thing is that, like, we talk about this every day on the Levitard show. And a lot of times the conversation can be circuitous because there really isn't, like, a an easy answer or a right answer. There's just sometimes a confused answer and also um, just an uncomfortable an uncomfortable feeling when you are a fan of a sport where these things do tend to come up a lot. And so I, you know, I'm not the arbiter of justice or truth, but I do feel uncomfortable by it. And I think that like Mina said, it's okay to just have an honest conversation. And when you do bring him up and his trade value and all of these things to remember the 23 women who have accused him of wrongdoing. So Jess, let me ask you really quickly as a fan, when Ben Roethlisberger was going through this years ago, how did that, how does that affect fandom? Yeah, it's a great question. And this is another thing we ta- have talked about on the Levitard show. It's it's kind of confusing for me because I was a fan of the Steelers since I was really young. And then, you know, Ben was already on the team when the accusations came about. And I truthfully was like just young and stupid and didn't really follow the NFL news cycle. I didn't really realize until I was older in, in high school and college that these 
things had happened and what they meant um, because I was kind of just consuming the mainstream coverage of it, which was very much, you know, victim blaming through and through. And so I've had to like rectify those feelings kind of like later on in life. Um, and this isn't, I'm not trying to make that sound like a cop out or anything. That's just the truth. Like it, you know, that's the way that I consumed the story. And so I do feel really, it, it makes, it might sound hypocritical that I do feel concern and confusion and discomfort by Deshaun Watson now um, that he's, you know, trying to get a trade and all of these things have happened when I have rooted for a team where there's a quarterback who has been accused of those crimes. I just want to say, because I think sometimes people lose this, it's okay to change your mind and evolve as you acquire more information and you have a better, I, something that struck me, I, a lot of people who've been talking about this seem to not understand how these cases go, how they proceed through the criminal justice system. I can't even tell you the amount of people I know, people in the industry who have seem to have not spent a moment trying to learn what, what, what this means. And I think it's okay to um, change your opinion about it as you grow and learn more. I know I've done that, honestly. Um, and I think that's another thing you asked again about the moral obligation. I said there's an obligation to be transparent and understand it. But I also think to have a willingness to change your mind and listen to people who know a lot more than you. That's what I've been trying to do when it comes to all of this. Now, it's yeah. a question. It's a question about a quarterback who's, you know, going to have a new landing spot at some point for mm -hmm. uh, a pretty hefty price by a team. So we'll see where he will end up. I, it is a serious topic, and I'm glad we had a chance to discuss it. One more from me, Mina. This is it. You're, as I said, you're in the booth for the Rams in preseason. Would you like to have that job, and not just the Rams, but for a network, whether it's ESPN or somebody else, to be in the booth all year long? I don't think so. I think I would have to be a lot better at it before I even start thinking about it. But it was a fun experience. Um, I've actually never talked to you with uh, and referenced Mike. Do people usually say junior when they talk to you to differentiate? When they when they talk to me, they say stud. When they talk about Mike, they say uh, you know. I think junior. Uh, Mar Marcus Spears <laughs> has the best nickname for him, which is MG Junior. Yes, so MG Junior. That Ooh, MG yeah. Junior that. MG was immensely junior. helpful to me throughout that whole experience. I think he's very gifted in the booth, um, but you know, I, I also think um, while I enjoy trying new things, uh, doesn't mean that I'm great at them. Honestly, uh, and so I, it's a that's pretty far off, if at all. Okay, but you just need to wear the Hawaiian shirt because that was a great look. You just need to wear that. It doesn't matter if you're in the booth or not. Just adopt Hawaiian that as shirt, your, yeah. yeah, the Rams Hawaiian shirt as your uniform and we're good to go. All right, I'm, yeah. I'm going to think about that. And just, just and get Lenny a matching one and you're all good. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love and, that look. It's phenomenal. Mina, appreciate it very much being the first guest on Golik and Smetty. We really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. And, uh, right. you know, keep working on those links. All right. <laughs> Double click, right? Yeah. It's so great having Mina on. She is she has absolutely been incredible throughout her career. What's interesting to me, Jess, and sometimes I think this gets lost, is this world, and I know your generation, the world of analytics, right? All of a sudden, mm. it's like my generation hears that, and they're like the the old people on the front porch. Get off my lawn! But I, I, <laughs> I I've never been like that because 
the one thing I keep trying to explain to people, analytics have been in football for a long time. They've been in sports for a long time. I got a, I got a, a game plan every Wednesday in the NFL, and it had a breakdown of what teams do on first and 10, second and seven plus, second and less than seven, second and four, third and three plus, all the different scenarios. It had everything, what plays they liked. I mean, that's analytics. That was around, been around for a long time. So I even, as the, the older generation, get mad at my own older generation when they bah humbug analytics because they've been around and like most things, not everything gets better, but some things do, they become more comprehensive. You find other things to analyze to help use in certain situations. Yeah, I'm with you. I think maybe analytics, it just sounds like something that you would learn in school and it's not very exciting. So maybe we just need to rebrand and analytics and give it a new name. Maybe maybe funalytics or something like that. Like make analytics a little bit more accessible and fun and exciting and cool. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. You know what? That's going to be our job. We're going to get some help from all the people that listen to this podcast, but we are going to make that our job. So before we sign off, that one of the biggest changes I saw once Tom Brady decided to go back to the NFL and go check this out on DraftKings Sportsbook, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl before Tom Brady came back were at plus 2,800. He came back, they're at plus 850. I mean, that jump is incredible, and I would say well-deserved. But again, go to DraftKings Sportsbook to check that out on so many other numbers, obviously, on March Madness as well. But that's what one man can do to a number. I'm so sick of Tom Brady, Mike. I hate to say it, but I I really don't hate to say it. I'm sick of him. Um, By the time we have our next episode next week, the Browns may have a new quarterback, and I will be interested to see how their Super Bowl odds go. Uh, Either up or down will be telling of that whole situation. So next week, we'll be back with another episode of Golik and Smendy. We'll have another great guest. I don't know how we're going to follow up after having Mina Kimes on our first episode. I feel like we maybe shot our shot and and flew too high on our first show here, but Hopefully, we'll have someone who can compare Amina, even though I don't think that's possible. But we'll be back next week, and you can see for yourself. Thanks all for listening. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, review. And as Stugatz would say, unsubscribe, subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks. See you next week. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 8778-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. 467-369 467-369 in New York. Visit OPGR.org in Oregon. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 plus only. 18 plus in New Hampshire and Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. No results guaranteed. Void were prohibited. Eligibility restrictions apply. See www.draftkings.com sportsbook for full details. Odds and lines are subject to change.